the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports part one. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Oakland Athletics 8-6 this past Wednesday. Miguel Cabrera belted a two-run homer in the fourth inning and singled to plate Akil Badu in the seventh inning. Badu smashed a solo four-bagger in the fifth inning and singled to send home Harold Castro in the eighth inning. Castro singled to score Jamer Candelario in the second inning and crushed a solo moonshot in the sixth inning, and Jonathan Scope singled to plate Derek Hill in the seventh inning to round out the Tigers' scoring. Joe Jimenez earned his fifth win after throwing a scoreless seventh inning, which was followed by a pair of shutout innings from Jose Cisnero and Gregory Soto, who recorded his 17th save. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And yes, I'm back. You know, it seems like the only time I see Ed Bondareka smile during my show is during that clip. The rest of the time, he's rather looking like a he just took a mouthful of alum. And uh, <laughs> 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 no. uh, joining me is my is my co-host Ed Bondareka. How are you doing, Ed? I'm fine. Yourself? Go ahead. Oh, I I I'm doing good. I'm actually I'm 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 fantastic, but I'm getting better. And uh, here we are. We're coming into Labor Day weekend, which means we're coming towards the end of summer. And I know everybody thinks Labor Day is the end of summer. No, that's not true. We still have a couple weeks left. So uh, hang on tight. Yeah. And uh, but the good news is, is after summer comes fall, then winter. And you know what that means? I can finally again be excited about sports. Curling comes back. And, and this is an exciting time in the world is when we can we can watch curling on TV generally on channel 9 CBET. But other than that, if you don't get that, you don't get the enjoyment of curling. Um, lots to you talk about. You were raised today. in Canada, right? You were raised yes, in was. Canada. Yes. yes, I was. Yes, I used to go down and uh, and, and there was a great uh, a curl, curling hall in, in in Windsor that got taken out by uh, a tornado. And I think now the curling team is now called the Tornadoes because they had wiped out <laughs> the, uh, the arena. But yeah, I grew up with curling and lacrosse, you know, the real sports. Um, we had more downs in football and uh, a bigger field. Uh, it was a different game. And I'm not talking about soccer, which is just, well, the Europeans can call it football. I'm going to call it soccer. <laughs> but, uh, uh, folks, it's been a long week for me. I've, I've uh, had to deal with a lot of people that I disagree with, and I know I shouldn't disagree with ideas. I'm not being tolerant because I don't accept their ideas. But that's not my definition of tolerance. My definition of tolerance is I will accept you as a person. I will respect you as a person, even if I find your idiots to be or your 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 ideas to be idiotic. Um, and that is my view of tolerance. And I will tolerate you in that way. And if you don't like it, you can cancel me out. I've been canceled out quite a bit this week by those on the extreme left. 
a lot of it to do with the the law that passed in Texas. And I don't even live in Texas. And uh, being an old white guy, I was blamed for the Texas law. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, but uh, and then I've had uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are much more liberal in their theology, who who have made the open statement that they don't believe in God-given rights. They believe in the global view uh, of of human rights. In other words, they would rather accept the the world view of justice rather than the biblical view of justice. And I've had to deal with that all week. So. Um, yeah, I'd like to laugh and enjoy life a little bit today, and and not deal with all that. Yeah, Ed, go ahead. You're gonna you're gonna rain my parade. I know you are, but, <laughs> but uh, go ahead. You were telling us last week about a conversation you were having online with a, a I believe a Methodist minister, and um, how'd that go? Well, it's, it's gone into now talking and uh, with with some of his congregation members who who are. Um, just as much into the world, the world uh, view of justice rather than the biblical view of justice. Uh, so you know, social social justice requires you to apply justice differently to different people depending on what group you are with. Is identity politics of justice? If you are, uh, if if you are. A woman, then you have to have special laws to protect you. If you are in the LGBTQ community, you need special laws to protect you. If you are of a different race other than white, you need special laws to protect you. If you make less than fifty thousand a year, uh, special laws to make uh, for you. And if you make under seventy thousand, laws to protect you, and all the way up into economic justice. I actually heard the term, and I've been saying this term for a few weeks, and now it has is coming out from the liberals since the Texas law passed is critical gender theory, uh, where um, if you are a woman, you cannot get any justice, that the laws were written against you throughout the history of the United States, that you're no better than than, than the slaves were, and, and there aren't laws there to protect you if you are a woman. Um, so that that's going to be the new thing. So we're going to have CRT and and CGT and and we're going to have more critical theories out there than we do have genders in this country right now because I think we're what up to seventy five or eighty different genders in this country. Now let me check with Facebook. Three hundred and eighty two. Three hundred and eighty two different genders in 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 America, folks. Three eighty three. It just changed. Just oh, there you go. It, it'll keep going up. Um. You know, and all of this is boiled around one camp. And uh, I, if you want to know what I think, no, let's not worry about what I think of the Democrat Party. Let's go back in time and see what Bob Hope thought of the Democrat Party. Can we have that clip there, Ed? You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. How horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? But boom. Yeah. And that zombie, that zombie priest, I'm willing to bet, is George Soros. But uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you were talking about different, different uh, laws for different people. And I was thinking, where have I heard that phrase before, equal justice under the law? And it turns out that, that those words are inscribed across the top of the Supreme Court, the entrance to the Supreme yeah. Court building. 
and that's How can part you have of equal I, justice under the law if the laws are unequal? You can't. And that's the idea because uh, our legal system here was based on Leviticus uh, 1915, and which is basically that rich or poor, um, you're going to get the same, you're going to be treated with righteousness. We're not going to be a respecter of persons is basically what Leviticus 1915 is saying. Um, and this is where we get the idea from that verse, where we get the idea and we put a blindfold on justice, on the statue of justice. Justice should be blind. It should not be a respecter of purposes. Everyone should be treated equal under the law. Whereas social justice states that everyone must be treated unequally under the law with the hopes of bringing them to equality, which is ridiculous. I tend to go more with the idea is that we are equal under the law we are all equal, but we cannot expect equal outcome. We just yeah, can't. I mean, different people have I mean, different. Equity and, equity and equality sound so close, yet they're so far apart. Far apart. Uh, exactly right. Right now, um, a lot of people, because of the, the hit uh, on CRT, and, and people are coming out and showing what CRT really is, now the left is starting to break, break away from that term, and they're changing the language of it. Now they're calling it diversity inclusion and equity mm -hmm. the acronym die <laughs> you know yeah. um diversion inequity and um or inclusion. equity and, and inclusion and that's just crt on steroids actually so if they're teaching you know, they say they, the schools will say we don't teach we don't teach crt here we just teach diversity equity and inclusion um folks that's the same thing Go ahead. I wanted, well, I wanted to talk to Dave Coleman about this, and we were going to talk about it last week, and I'd hoped we'd have time to bring it up today. It was something he actually wanted to talk about was the the uh, inclusiveness training that they're coming up with, uh, and where does a corporation come off telling me that I have to, now they can tell me I got to do whatever I, within the law that they want me to do because they're paying for my time, right? That's, you never want right. to say that's not my job. However, when it comes to indoctrination and trying to get you to change your moral beliefs or your philosophy to match theirs, to me, it seems you should be able to get a religious exemption on that. I'll be frank with you. I'm not a Catholic, but the nuns instilled in me quite the, moral and ethic uh, uh, personality in me that I am today. And, you know, I'm 68 years old now and they are not going to, why do, why, why should I have to sit through that in a, in a corporate environment while they try and brainwash me to accept that uh, a man is a woman and vice versa? You know, it's one thing to say, I will not be hostile to those people. That's fine. Yeah, I shouldn't you, be hostile to anybody. But to tell me that I got to accept them as something they aren't is like, well, wow, why don't we fudge the data out on the shop floor, too? Or how about this? They ask you to become something you are not. You must be less yeah. white. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll tan, but that's as far as it's going. But, you know, I was born a poor black child. Yeah. Hey, we got Joe on the phone. Joe, how are you doing, my friend? And let's not forget to mention September 16th. 
Yes, exactly. Okay, first we'll go there first, September 16th, and we're talking about religion, so perfect segue. September 16th, go to whamradio.com, community calendar, September 16th. You'll see the Wayne 12 Constitution Dinner, which we are focusing on the First Amendment, specifically freedom of religion aspects, and with VAX religious exemption uh, needs, uh, we were prescient about uh, the need for that topic this year, weren't we? Yes, and it works out perfect. And you know what's sad? is uh, whether or not we get the vaccine and have to get an exemption shouldn't, as Ed pointed out earlier in the show, uh, in his show, is we yep. shouldn't have to ask for an exemption. We should just be able to say, I don't want to get the shot. But uh, now they make us jump through hoops. And, uh, you know, it, the, only, the only avenue we have is religious exemption if we don't want to get the shot. And, folks, I can give you all the religious reasons why, why knowing, about, knowing about the uh, vaccine, what I know now, and why you probably shouldn't be getting it. I would not yep. get it today if I knew. If I, I would not have gotten it back then if I knew then what I know now. Exactly. We're in the same boat. We discussed that before. But what I called about was two things you mentioned. Uh, Equity. It defies the notion of human nature, which is the same with socialism, why it always fails. It defies the notions of human nature and why socialism always tears down to the lowest common denominator, except for, of course, the Bernie Sanders type who still has their Lamborghini or whatever quarter million sports car he's got and his six properties the ruling elites all still thrive but everybody else suffers but I call because you mentioned Leviticus so I want to mention Leviticus twenty four seventeen. and he that killeth any man shall surely be put to death that in Genesis 9-6 Numbers 34-30 the death penalty is a biblical notion of earthly justice. Okay. All right. Thank you, my brothers. I love you. Thank you, and I'll see you on the 16th. Yep. Take care. All right. So we've got all this. Folks, I just I don't know how to get this through to you. Social justice is literally dividing us. It you have to be divided with social justice. You have to treat people unequally just with the hopes that somehow equality can come out of it. And it's not possible. I would rather be treated equally and have the opportunity to try to strive to greatness uh, based on what I do and, and not be have the government stepping in my way to do so. Social justice would step in my way for me to achieve what I want to achieve in life. It would stop me. It would not allow it. It would not allow me to become um, as prosperous as I wanted to, where I wanted to, by working my way there and by, by challenging my efforts and my abilities to become more than what I am right now. Social justice does not allow me to achieve that. And uh, it, it's the justice of the world. It is not the justice that uh, that this country was founded on, which is justice should be blind and treated equally to everyone. So thank you for bringing up that point about the Supreme Court equal under the law. 
above the door. Yeah, I was also thinking of, you know, the, the first part of trying to get equity was uh, affirmative action, if you recall. I mean, that was yes. probably the first step along this path of, well, we've got, uh, we've got to promote certain races over others uh, as far as admittance to college are concerned to make up for the, the, um, oh, the, the sins of the past, so to speak, the prejudices of the past, or any perceived prejudice that, you know, it doesn't matter just, and I'm not denigrating anybody by race here, but just suppose a race because of socioeconomic conditions primarily did not produce people ready to go into college. Now, Ben Carson's a wonderful example of somebody who did overcome those conditions. So now when you start saying, well, we have to accept a number of these people who normally wouldn't be ready for college and bring them into college without putting them through some sort of a boot camp to prepare them for college, then we set them up for failure right off the bat. Yep. You know, I, I was uh, so, conditionally accepted in the Air Force Academy, but the first thing I would have to do is attend a particular boot camp because of my lack of physical ability. <laughs> skills. Yeah, physical ability. So I'd, I had to go through that first to prepare me for the rigor of the academy itself. Uh, it's, uh, you know, right. to, to just so, bring people in, would not uh, based on merit, is, is just a, a fool's errand. Just to show you about uh, social justice here. And the if you remember a group uh, called Black Lives Matter, you know, it was somewhere in American history. You might be able to remember somewhere in your life back in the past, a group came together called Black Lives Matter. And the leader of the Black Lives Matter came out and admitted that they were socialist Marxist. Mm -hmm. Admitted they were Marxist. And the With same million leader. dollar homes. <laughs> yes, uh, and one of the leaders of these of, of the BLM movement, as the riots were going on, saying, hey, if you happen to go and loot this store and you get yourself a Gucci bag or some, you know, expensive shoes or whatever, count that as reparations, you know? Um, yeah. And then we have government officials like Kamala Harris, who is trying to raise money to get them out of prison because somehow they deserved to be able to treat somebody illegally by robbing them and stuff just with the hopes of making them equal for a chance of getting their reparations that they're owed. This is the world type of, of justice that we are in today. And it's it's not right, folks. It's just... It, it, it's not biblical, but if you don't even want to go with biblical, it's not even constitutional. Our constitution demands that we are treated equally under the law. And socialism is antithetical to that concept, to that idea. By the way, that's the same Kamala Harris who as um, attorney general of the state of California was putting people, putting blacks particularly into prison for basically marijuana convictions right mm -hmm. and yep. she's the same one who wants to bail them out later when it's politically expeditious and you have to wonder someone who's willing to deal with politics that way of of whichever way the wind is blowing is the way i'm going to make my decisions if it's popular to throw someone in jail for a pot i'm going to do that if it's popular to bail them out i'm going to do that how can you 
have a, a center of justice that is so fluid and so changing based on the winds. You know, oh, I've got one. Just I've got one winds. for you. Joe Biden in uh, the 2nd of December in 2019, President now President Joe Biden said, in the United States of America, we leave nobody behind. No matter your race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, or disability, we need a president who understands that. That was him uh, almost two years ago. Leaves nobody behind? Yeah. No one? Nobody? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Joe. Look at Afghanistan. How many of our people have you left behind? You moron. He doesn't know. He has no idea. He's on vacation again in Delaware. You know, they had to pull him out of vacation for that whole incident. And then he makes a few speeches, fudges a little data, and then goes back on vacation while people are behind enemy lines. Yeah. You know, you and I were both brought up at about, the, I mean, you're a little bit older than me. Um, but not much. And we were both brought up, brought up with the idea that, uh, especially in the military, that you respect the office of president. That this is mm -hmm. the central core of our government and that we respect the office. We don't always have to respect the man, but respect the office. You've heard that. I've, I've heard it. I've said it myself. We must respect the office. But right now, where is the office of presidency? And I'm not talking about Delaware. I'm talking about where... Where does it actually stand? Where is it representing this nation right now at all in any way, shape, or form? The the, the office of presidency is is in all purposes vacant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep, it's it's been vacated. It's well, once again, the guy's either in the basement or he's uh napping or but he's not on the, not present on the world stage in a in a way that say uh, the former president Donald Trump would be and and I hate to say this out loud but uh, Gary called earlier and he said he's not our president I believe the election was stolen I firmly believe there was a coup it was planned the election has been stolen but unfortunately Joseph Biden meets all of the legal criteria, all the constitutional criteria to be president of the United States because of the inactivity or activity of certain state legislatures that did not step up to the plate and uh, challenge the uh, electors themselves. That's You know, you may have had like the, the chancellor of Germany and, and people in Europe, uh, leaders in Europe that may, maybe didn't really fall in love with Donald Trump. But right now, they're noticing a total vacancy in the presidency of this country, especially with the way Afghanistan has has been held. And most and most um, Democrats are even admitting now. I just saw saw a poll that said seventy eight percent of the Americans think that Afghanistan was handled wrong, not just poorly, wrong. And that means that there had to be a lot of Democrats in there that were saying was handled wrong. To go that high right now, his numbers are down. He he is for all purposes vacant as president. We we are we are a ship with no one at the helm. And it's I feel the office, that the office is often referred to as the leader of the free world. So it's not right. just us; it's the free world that's suffering right now. And they're looking around, saying, "Who do we trust? What do we do? We're on our no, own." There's no one at the helm. Let's take a call from Walter. Walter, how are you doing, my friend? Hello, man, boss, taking me. Had to steal your line real quick. Hey, 
environmental justice. The same people that's preaching the social gospel of, uh, you know, the one you're talking about, social justice, right. are the same ones in the black preachers across the land preaching environmental justice, which is climate change. And they're saying that climate change, singling out minorities and blacks, uh, because they're getting asthma and all this other stuff, which is a flat-out lie straight from the pits of hell. Just as much as social go- the social gospel, social act, uh, these social activists and all these people, you know where they are. The usual, hey, usual hey you're going to have to hold. Walter, hold on until the next break. Okay. We'll be back after these messages. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Detroit Tigers destroyed the Cincinnati Reds 15-5 last night. Robbie Grossman, Dustin Garneau, Jamer Candelario, and Harold Castro combined for 10 runs batted in. Grossman smashed a three-run homer, and Garneau preceded that bomb with a solo tater, and he belted a two-run moonshot. Candelario scored on a single by Nico Goodrum to go along with his solo four-bagger in the fourth inning and a sixth-inning double to plate Jonathan Scope, who belted a solo dinger in the third inning. Miguel Cabrera singled to send home Akil Badu after Cabrera scored with Jamer Candelario on Castro's double. Candelario and Harold Castro scored on a single-error combo to complete the Tigers' dominant offensive performance. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And before I get into the conversation, I should say when you hear that explosion, uh, we, I'm on uh, Skype with with Derek and with with Ed, and when that explosion happened, Derek's screen starts flashing multiple colors, like like the explosion is happening inside inside his uh, studio. Only because my computer is slow and it has a hard time processing video at this point, uh, but it, it's quite interesting that it happens at that point. But before Derek gets too lost away from his microphone and gets into his duties, I have to ask this question, Derek, and I'll give you a few seconds to look it up. I want to know what place the Detroit Tigers are in uh, currently and how far, how many games they are behind uh, the team in front of them. Uh, just out of curiosity, you know, I don't ever ask what time is the game on. I've stopped watching sports since, well, the end of curling season. So, since they <laughs> but it's good to know. What's that? Since they took a knee. Since they took a knee. Did you hear President Biden took a knee uh, for something? He went somewhere and he took a knee for something. I thought that was ridiculous. Either that or he just fell down. <laughs> well, you know what? It's like Obama bowing to the king of Saudi Arabia, you know, and that I wouldn't doubt he kneeled before some foreign ruler, maybe the queen. Yeah, or he fell down. So where are we at, Derek? Yeah. 
The Tigers currently are 14 and a half games out of first place, and they're five games out of second place. Okay, that puts them in what? Third place, tied for third, tied for eighth. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're in third place right now, three games ahead of Kansas City. Okay, so next week they'll be in fourth place. We know how that goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, Oh, well, I, I was reading about in, in the article, we'll get to uh, Walter here in a second. I was reading a newspaper article about a young man. He's 15 years old, um, trying to trying to get a change of custody and uh, because his his parents were abusive to him. And uh, so he went to the judge and the judge trying to follow the law in Michigan, apparently said we had to find a family member and suggested his his grandmother. And he said, no, my grandmother beats me more than my my parents do. And he suggested the aunt and found out his whole family was rather abusive towards each other. And the judge, you know, is still trying to make a decision on how to treat this poor young man, 15 years old. Uh, no, no young man should ever live in that type of atmosphere. Uh, finally, the judge not being able to find anybody in his family, he asked the boy who he wanted to have custody of him. And after doing his research and stuff, the... Uh, the judge finally granted that uh, the Detroit Lions would have custody over him. The boy figured the Detroit Lions can't beat anybody. So, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> let, let's go yeah. back to, yeah, hey, that just fell like uh, yeah. iron dirigible right out of well, the Well, you can't hear everybody else laughing. I chuckled, but I'd heard it before, you know. <laughs> I go, that was funny. <laughs> well, now, my my neighbor and friend across the street, if he's listening, he's shaking his head no, because he's a diehard Lions fan. I don't understand it. I, I can't watch ever since uh, ever since they decided to start taking knees. I can't watch NFL anymore until they make a firm rule and stop that nonsense and start respecting our flag again. I can't watch them. Hey, Walter, how you doing? We'll get you back online, let you finish your thoughts, so then uh, we can go on to some other stuff too. So. All right. Where were you at, Walter? Yes, sir. You show me a person is preaching the false gospel of social justice. I'll show you a person who's preaching environmental justice. You guys are familiar with that, right? You hear, yep. you hear that a lot? And I agree with you 100%. And I want one of these people is preaching the environmental justice. To give up their cars, a bunch of hypocrites, give up your cars, start walking, get you a mopass or something like that to go to work and to go do your daily chores because you think oil is evil and gives black people and minorities asthma, which is false, phony, and it's a, it's a fraud gospel. So give up all the benefits that we benefit from because you're attacking oil. Oil, they're attacking oil is, is evil. You know, it all, it all, all ties in together. But, but they won't give it up because I, I'm looking for the first uh, Democrat who voted for this con artist in the White House. He's not my president either. Um, those that voted for him, I'm looking for them got gas pumps. I want to strike up conversation, looking for the first conversation to be struck up at a gas pump when they complain about how high gas prices are. I haven't found one yet, but I'm looking for that opportunity to tell them why. So this is environmental justice, people. You ever heard such foolishness? It's not. No, I, I really haven't. I really haven't. And thank you for and your you call, Walter. Why did you, um, you know, right away, Pastor I Rick, can think of a... Hold on. By the way, what? I'll let you finish your thought. Why did you give uh, 
Joe Osama bin Biden a compliment by calling him a moron. If I wouldn't say regenerated, I would call him three times worse name than that. That was a compliment compared to what I would have called him. But you well, I don't think you should. Chief. You shouldn't slur morons that way. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I got your point. To all the morons out there that are listening, I'm sorry We're I sorry. put the president in your, in your camp, even though you probably agree with them because you're morons. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, just, I just thought of an interesting campaign. We should get a bunch of stickers printed up. Maybe get them on a cafe press or something like that yeah. or Etsy. And, well, I got to shut up real quick. I can see that. But we get these stickers <laughs> printed up and says, I could take a dollar fifty gas and a mean tweet right about now and put it it's on certain. gas pumps, every gas pump. And, and you, you, you put that tweet up. My wife quotes that often. And speaking of my wife, she's on the line and I cannot ignore her too much longer because, well, I live with her. And so <laughs> she Gillian, must not on? be ignored. That's right. Hello. She Hello. who cannot be ignored is here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you there? I'm here. I'm I okay, to shut up when good, you're talking. I couldn't hear you. So. All right. So, you know, Walter brought up a really interesting point about environmental justice. And I just wanted to, to bring back onto people's brains the idea that Joe Biden wants us to be, uh, what is it, like 50% electric vehicles by 2030-something. And, and if you think about this, so just as we were developing our oil shales and had a really good pipeline under President Trump and basically had the entire um, – Saudi, OPEC, uh, gasoline, petroleum, kind of back on their heels because it's like, look, we're just going to keep flooding the market with gas and the prices are going to be down, right? So now they've shut down our pipelines and they want us to go to electric vehicles. They have destroyed our, our um, petroleum independence again. They have ruined millions of jobs. And now they want us to be dependent on third world countries that use child labor to build batteries for vehicles that you can't dispose of. And so they ship them back to these third world countries where they end up being buried under these poor children. And they are, they're just toxic and they become these horrible toxic waste dumps. And it's a lot like those giant windmills that when you see those big wind farms, the big wind farms, oh, look, it's all wind energy. Isn't this great? Unless you're the guy that actually owns the property that's leased it out because those darn wind turbines all make toxic waste from the oil. And then the company that's making all this profit off of these wind turbines has no responsibility for cleaning it up. So you want to talk about independence and, and and all of this uh all of this environmental justice where is our justice okay hold on galen go ahead Ed. well i'm looking at uh, uh forbes magazine from a few days ago and you're saying that biden wants us to be all electric and to have or at least 50 percent i mean he'd settle for everything one has been proven that we don't have the electrical capacity to satisfy that kind of demand particularly so quickly 
But the other thing to be really careful about is that electric cars run on lithium batteries, right? And you were talking about their toxic effects. But Forbes magazine pointed out a couple of days ago, Afghanistan is sitting on a gold mine. I don't mean that figuratively. The country sits atop what could be one of the world's largest reserves of various metals and minerals, including not just gold, but also platinum, silver, copper, iron, aluminum, and uranium. It's also believed to have so much lithium that Afghanistan could one day be known as the Saudi Arabia of lithium. And who's taking over Afghanistan in our absence? China. Yeah. Yep. So we, we've, we've been sold out. All those debts to to satisfy his Chinese masters. All right. Thank you for calling, Gaylene. I want to get into something that um, a little bit was touched on by by Walter. And you called, and I told you a number of things I wanted to talk about. And you had brought up to me, Ed, in our conversation before the show about um, higher biblical criticism. And uh, a lot of people cringe when they hear that, and probably rightfully so, if they're thinking back to where it started. That started in uh, two very, very theological liberal schools in in Germany, the von Grelfhausen School and the Tübingen School. And their idea was is they wanted to rationalize the Bible, demythalize the Bible, and they they. In critical theory, they, they said, listen, Isaiah couldn't have been written by one person because there's so many prophecies that came to pass that had to be written by three. Moses could not have written Genesis. It must have been multiple people who wrote Genesis because of the predictions that happened. And, and Ezekiel, well, that must have been written well into, well into the 80s. And even though we had quotations from it from, from uh, rabbis long before the birth of Christ. But they try to demythalize it, and they called that higher criticism, higher biblical criticism. Fortunately, there was a move. Instead of trying to disprove the Bible, they used higher critical biblical criticism. In other words, to look at the history of the Bible. And guess what? They're finding out that archaeology and that uh, history is actually weighing out that the Bible is true just the way it is written. And so in most seminaries, they teach higher biblical criticism and lower biblical criticism, which doesn't mean it's lower in stature or importance. It just means that they're looking more at the language of the Bible. It's, a, it's part of the hermeneutic breakdown of studying the Bible. And what we have is we basically have two groups in this country of Christians. We have those that have tried to rationalize the Bible to where they don't believe it. Um, and therefore they have jumped on to uh, the ideas of social justice because uh, the biblical justice isn't really a coming from a divine word in the Bible, and therefore they have got to create their own justice of the world. By the way, if you read 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, you'd find out that we are warned about not using world justice rather than we should be looking at uh, Christian brotherly justice. So there is a place for critiquing your belief in the Bible finding out where the Bible comes from, finding out how it was written, finding out what it means. And uh, you can either do that to, to increase your faith or you can try to do that to break it down. But the whole idea of higher biblical criticism as the, as the liberal theologians use it has, has really fallen to the wayside. And so since they cannot use that anymore, uh, they have jumped on the social justice bandwagon.
you will find a lot in the far left theological camps now just practice social justice. And then there's those that of us that don't. Yeah, Ed, go ahead. Well, to, to some degree, I'm thinking that as these people went to debunk the Bible, just like uh, Lee Strobel did, you know, they end up writing the case for Christ because right. <laughs> I can't debunk this. It's all true. Now what do I do? Yeah. Exactly right. And so, yeah, there were a whole lot of theories that came out of that, uh, out of those two schools in Germany. Of all places, a, a hotbed of liberalism. This is where uh, the Nazi party got its birth. And that was the Nazi rationalism, so to speak. And that same type of rationalism then blew over into Europe. And it even blew over into here to the United States. And um, we see the the liberal theological school. I'm not talking political here. I'm talking liberal theological, which means they don't believe in the divine inspiration of scripture. They don't have any real basis for their faith because the Bible is nothing more than uh, a good story with a moral ending. A bunch of, uh, let's say, instead of Aesop's fable, fables, God's fables is how they look at it. And uh, then you can take a more critical, historical, linguistic, contextual look at the Bible, and it makes total sense, and it gives you total faith in God if you just read it and study it. And, and, and it's because of this we see such a divide in the Christian church in America today. Ask yourself, what church do you belong to? Do you believe in a, do you go to a church that espouses social justice? If you do, I would recommend run, run quickly, get away from that because if it's espousing social justice, it's not espousing God's justice. Yeah. Any thought, any thought? No, that's absolutely true. And and if you find yourself in a church that uh, has a, a rainbow flag on the front and a sign that says, we believe science or science is real question why you're there. I mean, science is real, but, uh, you know, God is realer. <laughs> you know, and, and you make a good point. God and science. Well, here, here, this is the problem of them trying to rationalize it. God created nature. What is science but the study of nature, right? That's mm-hmm. it. The, the science is not the study of supernatural, you know, outside of science, outside of nature. Science is all about the study of nature. God is outside of that. If God created nature, if God created this world, how on earth can he be part of that science. He has to be outside of it. He might be present with us, but he certainly is not dependent on science. You know, I've, I've read before on, um, um, oh my goodness, uh, Newton. Newton uh, was a Christian and mm-hmm. he figured if there's a God, there must be laws, there must be a, a lawgiver. And so that's how he knew that he could find the laws of gravity, of motion, of thermodynamics, everything that he came up with, and his compatriots also, you know, the, the guys who uh, were of that time period, they realized that, you know, the world's got to run on laws, and we just need to figure out what those laws are. And we've been doing it ever since, and that has been the real progression of science is discovering God's laws. Right. You know, there's, a, there's a thing going on right now where it's, uh, scientists are discovering this thing called the fine-tuned universe that's really incredible. Google right. fine-tuned universe. Google um, the privileged planet. That's a real introduction to that. But this this universe, in order to sustain your life, whoever's listening right now, your life on this planet, the whole universe was built in such a way to support you 
living here. It's just no accident. Scientists are coming to that conclusion. And the only way they can get around a fine-tuned universe, and this is they'll admit this, the only way they can get around a creator of this fine-tuned universe is to propose that there is a multiverse of universes and say that most of the rest of them are uninhabitable because they didn't luck into being as fine-tuned as we are to support life. But right. we happen to be the one, the lucky ones in this universe in a multiverse that now, made it. And they know up, that's nonsense. You brought up two points. You brought up the, the fine-tuned universe and Newton. So let me, let me bring them together. Uh, Newton, who was very much a believer, uh, had an atheist friend, and uh, he invited his atheist friend over after he had a project finished. He had, in his lab, he had a very large room-sized version of the solar system made with gears and everything else. So as it would turn, the, the moon would orbit around the Earth, and the Earth would orbit around the sun with the other nine planets. And his atheist friend was amazed with this beautiful, fine-working mm -hmm piece of equipment. And he said, who built it? And Newton said, nobody. <laughs> and he said, no, tell me who built it? And Newton again said, nobody. And he says, well, I want to build one myself. Who built this? And Newton said, you know, when I told you God created the universe, you said it was impossible, that it came into existence on its own. And he says, and that, now if you can believe that about something that is much more intricate than this model, why can't you believe that nobody built this model? You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and exactly. That, that, that's, that speaks volumes. The universe, the universe works more precisely than any model of it that you could make. Any model that you would faith. make. Yep. You have to have more faith to not believe that God did what he did than to have faith that he did just based on the evidence around you. So I, I, I suggest that when you read the Bible, you are critical in your reading. But when you're critical in your reading, understand where that word comes from. And when you're critical, be more critical of yourself than the words. And you might find your faith in God. You know, when I, when I first started reading the Bible after being a kid and reading it, you know, as part of my duties in the Catholic Church. But when mm -hmm. I was an adult, I, I read Moby Dick and the opening words were, call me Ahab. The opening words, I thought, what the heck does that mean? And I asked around, and they said, oh, that reference is a character in the Bible. Uh, was it Ahab? Not Ahab, I'm sorry. Call me Ishmael. Call me Ishmael. Right. And that reference is a character in the Bible who was abandoned by his father and left a wealthy father and left to go out in the world by himself. That's the central character of Moby Dick. He described him in three words, call me Ishmael. But if you don't know the Bible... You don't know what that means. So I started reading the Bible to catch the other literature references that I was blind to. And in reading the Bible to be a literate person, I came to the conclusion of its truth. You know, it's it's amazing that uh, the the man who wrote the, uh, the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner was mm -hmm. a big uh, espouser Drug of a critical... Uh, higher critical thinking of the Bible in a way that tried to demythalize the Bible. He couldn't deal with the fact that there's a God that had all this in control. He wrote that poem, and that's the same poem that uh, uh, Frankenstein was based on, and it was about the same philosophy as well, all the rationalists had in Europe at the time. They were willing to throw out God so they could, they, they could, they, how can I say this? So they could themselves become gods, because if they could say there is no God, they can become God. Yes.
Exactly. They can make God in their own image. Right. And generally, it's literally in their own image. When they look in the mirror, they see God. That's humanism, folks. That is I socialism. Can't imagine, I can't imagine a God that would do that. Oh, yes, you can. You can imagine a lot of stuff, you know? Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and they, they won't look at the fact that God is per perfectly just. And when he does something, he has a reason for it. We don't always have to understand it, but he has a reason. And uh, his reason is much more perfect than ours. I, I was yeah. talking today to somebody who said, well, all these Christians, this Christian and that Christian, he's going down the line of naming mistakes that Christians have made through history. So where is your God? You know, um, and I said, everyone you mentioned was, was man and they may have had strong faith, but they were fallible. You know, and, and so, yes, they're going to make mistakes. Doesn't mean that their faith was weak. Um, Nietzsche said, if I seen more people redeemed, I would believe in the Redeemer. He's looking for a redemption in attitude rather than redemption in spirit. So, yes, I think I hear music. So is that the music I hear? Now, on that, folks, yes. I love you all, and we'll see you next week on A Moment of Clarity. been listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your host pastor richard dietering be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 